Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Adventures Podcast, brought to you by Yellow Hat Outdoors. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 10, double digits, that's pretty sweet, of the Oklahoma Outdoor Adventures Podcast. We got a full studio today. It's me, Glenn. Hudson. And guess who's back? Good old Landon. I'm here. Our favorite guy, you know, I talked to your wife and she asked an important question. She said, did you guys talk about me or our future children on the way? And I said, you know, didn't quite make the cut. So maybe we can say that Landon is having some twins. Twin girls. Gosh, that's crazy. But he will not be hunting or doing anything next year when they're babies. Or they will just be with him. Yeah, that too. He's going to be strapped up. He's going to put a GoPro on him. (laughs) (laughs) little baby POV. No, they don't need me to breastfeed them, so they're going to be staying home with their mom. So I don't need to be there, really, from what I have But you could breastfeed them. They get a little creatine in there. True. You you do hit chest pretty hard, so that's nice. Um, Well, hey, uh, today, besides twins, we're talking about some winter bass fishing. Hunting season is coming to a close. Obviously, you can go trout fish in Oklahoma, but you can also catch a state record bass right now. And so, (laughs) I figured we would talk about that. Uh, So, overall, I would say none of us are on the Bassmaster Elite Series Tour yet. uh, yet. Uh, None of us are sponsored anglers yet. Yet. Uh, none of us drive brand new trucks except Landon. Mm-hmm. Brand new, used, 20, 2002. <laughs> <laughs> 2002. Uh, but we have caught a few fish in the wintertime, um, and this is a fun time to uh, go chase some bass and also literally have a chance at the biggest uh, bass of your whole life. So, especially today, today is a today is unbelievably beautiful. It's like it says it's 37 right now, it feels like it's like high 40s. We're hitting a high of 51 today, little to no wind. Let's go! It's pretty great, yeah. It's a beautiful day. So, um, we got our mind kind of turning towards the fishing train. Um, and whenever we're thinking about bass fishing, I think that. We have one place that kind of comes to mind um, that we kind of, I would say we've grown up kind of fishing for the last, I don't know, five or ten years, maybe, eight? I don't know. Started going there at the end of high school, so whatever that is, yeah, eight-ish years. Maybe I'm doing horrible math, no six, but uh, anyway, um, and that place is a really cool place in eastern Oklahoma. I've said place cool. 15 times. Cool cool is one way to describe <laughs> Sketchy, it. Sketchy, uh, wild, meth ridden, meth, drugs. I don't, stolen vehicles, slash tires, you name it, it's happened out there. But it's in eastern Oklahoma and uh, it's an old rock quarry. Uh, it was used by Dolisi, I don't know, back in the day. I don't really know what they quarried out of there and I don't really care. What I do care about is that it left a really sweet pond. Um, so this pond, Landon, how would you describe like the shape of it? It had like one big 
open body, but then on one side of it, you could follow it back into like a, I don't know, it's probably like 30 or 40 feet wide, maybe 20 feet deep going back there, cur- like kind of curling around the whole body of that lake. And it went back maybe like a mile almost. It went back really far and we never even really bothered bothered fishing that because the the bigger body with those points was kind of the place to be yeah 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 it's like really weirdly shaped yeah there's like a few um weird arms to it and then the whole thing like you tube that thing and your legs are sore afterwards i know a couple times like i paddled the whole things like a couple times in a day and it was it got old pretty fast so it was always fun to uh be out there at least like in a little pond prowler or a little boat with a trolling motor or whatever boat you could put in there um and get after it but what's crazy is we would have to go down this like little jeep trail and it was insane getting back there like you actually weren't getting back there without four-wheel drive yeah i still don't know how my ford explorer pulling my boat got back there i forgot you went down there did you go with Rob and Noah? Yeah, and okay. my brother, Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> they had to. We were, uh, there was a lot of holes and stuff, and Rob and Noah would get out and find rocks to fill the potholes up so I could go across. Absolutely insane. And that was the good road back there, not even the, the sketchy yeah, I road. Never, I never went on that road. Me either. Um, but, yeah, we fished it really hard once we started going out there. You remember our first first trip out there glenn it was me and you right yeah and uh that was when i caught my first pv yeah out there that's that's the one of you in the tube with no shirt on and it was absolute tank but it was like as thin as a piece of paper yeah but we didn't even make it back to the good part um because we only had a couple hours so we were just fishing what we saw and just kind of working our way back slowly and then you and I hooked into some good ones back there right as the sun was going down. Yeah. Yeah, we caught some good fish. Um, but that that was summertime, right? That was that yeah. first summer? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we fished it that summer. So, I'm going to say that was like the summer of our senior year. Um, and then the winter of our freshman year of college was when we really started kind of getting after him out there. Um, and so... There's a famous video we posted. It was our first viral video. It, it actually went viral. It was kind of cool. Um, and it's of Landon with two giant bass. So, Landon, will you give us a little context of that story? So, first I'm going to go... So, that was uh, that was right around Valentine's Day. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back to the week before. Uh, and, again, it was me and Noah Edwards out there in his boat. And... Uh, I didn't really, uh, in the wintertime, I goose hunt, so I don't really fish, but this was the first year that I kind of stopped shooting geese um, early and went to go chase after some bass, and um, so I was throwing a heavy jig, um, or not heavy, it was probably half ounce or three quarter ounce, but I was fishing off the main points, and uh, we'd been catching fish, uh, I remember it was like really cold and windy and cloudy, uh, but we were doing okay, and then I hook into a freaking giant, and um, 
on fighting this thing, and I have it hooked, hooked good. You already, I just, you already just know where this is going. I had checked my line before, so I knew it wasn't going to break. Um, I was confident in that. And there's out here, it's not really there's not like trees in the water that they can wrap you around. Um, it kind of just is all rock on the bottom. Um, so I wasn't worried about that. So I kind of I was letting the fish run, and I knew this thing was a stud, um, and I hadn't seen it yet, but. I just knew the way it was pulling me down, uh, taking drag out, all that. Um, and I start freaking out, telling Noah, like, hey, this this could be the one. And uh, all we wanted was a double-digit bass. And we knew that fishing there in February gave us a really good chance of getting one. Um, so this thing comes up and tries to shake my jig out of its mouth and this thing's mouth and head were just absolutely massive um so again i'm freaking out uh every time it tries to come up i shove my pole down in the water so it can't jump up um noah's freaking out he sees how big it is i see how big it is i'm certain that it was double digit i know people say that all the time but it was a big fish um so basically it got to the boat and Noah was, um, we didn't have a net, unfortunately. So Noah was reaching his hand in to grab it. And it comes up one last time right at the edge of the boat and makes eye contact with all of us and has its head out of the water and shakes the jig out of its mouth. And Noah kind of froze. And I can see it to this day. I've, I've thought about this a lot. Um, so Noah's just sitting there looking at it, and this thing's still head shaking out of the water. Um, and I drop the pole, dive in after it. Um, I get a hold of this thing, and I pin it up against the bottom of the boat. Um, and, I mean, my hand was not wrapping around it at all because it was huge. And um, basically it overpowered my hand, swam away, uh, and then I sat in the boat for... 30 minutes with my head down just so mad at Noah mad at myself mad that we didn't have a net because that's I mean that was it in Oklahoma at least that's like a, you don't catch double digit bass yeah um, yeah. maybe I, once in your life you'll have one on um, I just looked up uh, the odds of catching a 10 pound bass and obviously that's going to change per state and but, per person and per person um <laughs> And I think it's probably even less than this, but I saw uh, some wildlife department said 5,000 to one. Another thing saw said 3%. I think it's less than that. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, that's probably... Catching a 10-pound bass is probably, in terms of freshwater fishing, one of the toughest things that you... Like, one of the more rare, most rare things you can do. Yeah, So I'd say it's like the goal of any bass fisherman... You want to catch a ten pounder? Yeah. Golly. Yeah. yeah. Five thousand to one. I feel like it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, and so, so the reason I can confidently say that it was double digit is because the fish that I ended up catching the next week on that Alabama rig. Um, hang on. Will you? Let me interrupt you real okay. fast. Uh, what were so you were throwing a jig, but like, what were you doing? Were you like flipping it, or were you like kind of swimming it, or how were you fishing the jig? So I, the. So how that quarry was set up, it was kind of like 
there was that long peninsula going down the middle of that yep. big part. Yep. Um, and off that peninsula, there was that, I don't even, like, it was like that grass growing out. Yep. Probably like yep. 20, 30 feet in some places. Uh-huh. Um, and off the edge of that grass, I mean, we never, like, had a depth finder or anything out there, but it was probably 10, 12, 15 feet deep right off the edge of that. So there'd be little pockets in there, and I would just flip the jig as close as I could to that and just let it fall. And then that's really when you would get bit right there as it's falling. Yeah, just basically you'd be throwing it up there and just letting it kind of glide down. Did you have a weight on it? It was a jig. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I think it was a a half-ounce jig with a – I think it was – brown and red and i had a like a red crawl on it yeah and i guess just if you don't know what a jig is basically it's a hook with like a weighted head on it so. yeah apparently i don't know what a jig is so that's god <laughs> oh my goodness um so anyway uh basically yeah weighted head and then it's got like kind of some plastic that covers up the hook so it's pretty pretty weedless and then it has like a what's called like a skirt basically like some rubber kind of tentacle looking things that give it um in the water some bulk to it so looks like any type of maybe bait fish or crawdad or um, like a bluegill or something like that so landon yours was kind of brownish with a crawdad um, trailer okay yeah cool so you were just throwing it up there and really letting it slowly kind of flutter down yeah um, on those deep drop-offs yeah and then i'm uh I really like when I fish jigs to just slowly drag them on the bottom because uh, you can kind of feel um, what the ground's like. And if you come over something, you can let it sit. Um, but, yeah, out there normally I think we were getting bit primarily on the fall. So I think that's what we were focusing on. Okay, sweet, sweet. So, yeah, you guys had been out there a couple times that winter. You lost that freaking Jumbotron, biggest fish you for your whole life. The one that obviously you're just going to keep telling stories about and uh, actually hold over Noah's head forever. Yeah, I will never forgive him for that. <laughs> that's a that's worthy of a grudge, I would I, say. I can't wait to have him on to, to plead his case or to ex- explain, <laughs> no, he, explain he, himself. He, he said, I'm so sorry, like, <laughs> immediately. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, my dad has a story like that where that my uncle did that to him, but we can yeah. cross that bridge later. Um, so anyway, yeah, you had this tank, and um, then you guys were like, the next week we're like, all right, we're ditching class. It's time to get revenge. Yeah, so okay. it was similar weather when we went out that, that next week. Uh, and... Um, he was like, hey, I got, I went to Cabela's, got a whole bunch of Alabama rigs and stuff. So I was like, okay, let's play with those. Um, so it had just rained. And Explain there was, the uh, Alabama rig real quick for people. Glenn, you'll probably do a better job because. Yeah. You're smarter. <laughs> because you're more smarter. Because <laughs> my IQ is 12, <laughs> not 8. Uh, so Alabama rig basically looks like a school of bait fish. So um, what it is is there's a weighted head at the top that you tie onto and then there's a series of wires or plastic um that kind of kind of come out at like a 45 degree angle behind it 
So there's anywhere from probably like three to six wires that stick out. And each one of those has a little um, swim bait, kind of little bait fish looking thing. So whenever you throw it out there, it's stinking heavy. But what it is, is it looks like a whole school of bait fish coming by. So wintertime um, bass, they're not looking to work too hard to catch fish, but or yeah, to catch little baby fish. But what they are looking to do is snag an easy meal if it comes by. And so um, that's what Landon was trying to do was uh, give them a, a big meal and give them a chance, basically tempt them into, you know, putting a little effort in. So that's something that people fish really hard in the wintertime. Uh, it's kind of like one of the go-to strategies um, of wintertime bass fishing. the state record was fishing. caught on, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think latest state record, like 14.7 out of Arbuckle. I can fact check that or something. But, yeah, around 14 and a half pounds is the Oklahoma state record. We haven't had a fish break 15 yet. But – that's what an Alabama rig is. Um, if that helps you at all kind of, um, form a little bit of an image in your head. So that's what Landon and Noah were fishing with. Yeah. So it had just rained. Uh, Sorry. I got one more thing. (laughs) And you do want to usually, uh, throw those on a pretty heavy action rod just because, um, they're super heavy. So you really need, um, pretty strong line and, um, a heavy action rod so that if you hook you know, snag it on something. It's like twenty to fifty dollars worth of bait. You don't really want to lose that. So Landon's a big braided line guy. Yeah. Well, he was back in the day before <laughs> yeah. he would break off every single time he caught a fish. But yeah. all right, back to you. I won't interrupt again. <laughs> okay. So, like I said, it just rained, and there was like a little tiny little stream flowing into the corner of that pond. Um, and anytime you see that, there's going to be fish there. Um, I mean, we've done it in neighborhood ponds time and time again. We've done it in actual lakes time and time again. Every time water is flowing into a, a body of water, there's going to be fish there. So we go over to this place, and we roll up, we're both throwing Alabama rigs, and it's me and Noah again. And uh, I think it was my first cast in there. I threw it up, like, way close to the bank, like, right where that water was flowing in at and um i'm reeling it fast to get it to where it's not getting gonna get hung up on the ground uh and then i slow down once i feel like i'm in a few feet of water at least and i just feel dun, dun, like two massive hits like huge so i set the hook as hard as i can because my my line's like i mean you can chunk these alabama rigs so we were way back um so i had a lot of line out um set the hook hard uh and it feels like i'm pulling a tree from the bottom all the way to the boat and it's just like i mean it's not even really fighting it's just heavy like there's so much weight um and is your arm hurting from cranking that yes um but i mean they were kind of diving down but i think since there was two of them on there they weren't it wasn't it didn't really feel like a normal fish fighting you um but anyway we had a net this time uh <laughs> thankfully learned their lesson yeah because uh, lord knows he wasn't lipping two of them that one yeah <laughs> but i wasn't worried about it breaking off again because it was like 50 pound braid or something crazy um 
And basically, we got him up to the boat. No, we got him in the net. And there's the biggest fish I've ever caught for sure. And then another really good fish on it. Uh, and I'm we're freaking out. Uh, y'all can see the video if you want. Uh, Landon actually looks like a madman. <laughs> it's my favorite image of him. He's got like no hat on. These crazy like silver sunglasses. The strike King. Sunglasses. Uh, yeah, strike, strike King sunglasses. KVD specials. Then he's got red sweatpants on and a hoodie and flip flops. Like, and he's just like jacked out of his mind with these two giant bass. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, so that was good. And then we ended up weighing them, and that the heavy one was like nine six or something. Yeah. Uh, so it was almost ten, and that's what makes me so sure that the one before that was ten because it was quite a bit bigger than that one. Um, but yeah, so fourteen, almost fifteen pounds on one cast. I mean, imagine catching that in a tournament. You immediately Golly. have a fifteen pound bag with two fish. Yeah. yeah. Now. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you guys didn't really catch a ton more that day. Is that true? I think I was done for the day. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I fished anymore. You were done anymore. for a while. Yeah. Still haven't fished since then. Because <laughs> you can't top it. So I literally was sitting in chemistry class and got that video, and I was like, gosh, I should have ditched for sure. But I wasn't smart enough to pass the class without going. So I will say, looking back, I'm... I don't regret all the days I skipped class, especially when I went to OCLKC. I would, and I was night shift landing, I would just go to work, and then I would go hunt, and then I wouldn't sleep. And they'd be mean to your friends. So it was a bad time, but I also was hunting like four times a week. Yeah. And uh, even at SNU, I was, I remember you would get annoyed, maybe, because Hookman would have like... Like an actual like quiz or something, and I'd be like, "Yeah, but a front's hitting." So, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, "Well, don't whine whenever you get a C in woody plants." Hey, I got a B. B. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I did college right by just I, not going to class. I completely agree. Go to class as little as you need to to succeed. Yep, that's yeah. what that's my advice. My, uh, my dad, whenever he did a his. I think he did a year at osu in stillwater and he if it in the fall it was hardly went to class yeah but, i mean well he was literally telling us on our podcast i screwed up and deleted forever uh that he would fit or he would literally hunt every single day of the fall pretty much yeah um i was also i was thinking uh, about going out to the quarry and I went out once um, and it was me and Noah in my little two-man pond prowler and then I'm not sure who was in Noah's boat with you Landon or if you guys had Rob's boat maybe we both went out there yeah we had Rob it was me and Rob okay okay so Noah had like one of those like a v-hole like 1970 like you know <laughs> aluminum boats and it was heavy, but they would he would lift it off of the trailer and put it in the back of a truck. <laughs> so he would bring that. I had like a little two man plastic pond prowler um, kind of boat. You know, you just put a trolling motor on it, and then 
um, our buddy Rob had like a three-seater John boat. Um, just it was really pretty skinny and light um, aluminum one. So basically, anytime we needed to get in somewhere, we could usually do it with one of those three. Um, but I was thinking about the day that we went out there in the winter time, and um, I think it was probably uh, mid February because you know Rob was out there, you and Noah were out there, we were all out there, um, and me and Noah were not catching anything. I I was getting kind of annoyed. I think maybe you had caught one or two on the jig, and so I was like, screw it. I'm going to try something crazy. And I just remember I was trolling along these drop-offs. And I was just trying to crank in the deepest diving crankbaits I had. And we ended up actually catching a few over there. Do you remember that? Yeah, and y'all were catching good ones. Like, they were nice fish. Yeah. So I don't know if we were just getting, like, the reaction bite. So sometimes you, like, just really make a fish mad and they just bite it because it comes by. Um, or if it was hungry, or if maybe we just matched the hatch perfectly. You were in the middle of the the biggest part of the pond. It was weird. I don't really know why they were suspended there, but we were catching them. It was fun. Yeah. Did did um, you or anyone throw jerk baits out there? Do you know? Yeah, I threw. Because uh, the nice place, the nice thing about that place is there were so many fish um, that you could like go get something that you haven't fished with before and you could take it out there and watch some youtube videos and kind of get it to where you know a little bit about how to fish it but then you could go out there and learn and see what actually works so i would do that with the jerk bait glide bait swim baits all that um whopper plopper oh yeah Uh, oh yeah so yeah it's a good time i went out there and did um i caught a few on the jerk bait um yeah okay yeah, because I was thinking, like, whenever you think or talk about wintertime bass fishing, um, I, I in, at least in my mind, I think of the jigs, um, I think of Alabama rigs, and then the other thing I think of is jerkbait. So, jerkbait, jerk, good grief, <laughs> jerkbait, I don't know what that is, some type of bacon or jerky or something. Uh, it's like a hard plastic um lure that pretty long and skinny and um it has three treble hooks on it or two treble hooks usually and um basically you throw it out there and it doesn't float but it it doesn't like sink all the way to the bottom it kind of suspends at a certain depth and so um in the winter time when fish are pretty lethargic um pretty slow moving they're cold and, <laughs> and everything um then uh, it it gives them a better chance to bite because, you know, they're not one to work super hard for a meal and you can kind of just um, flutter it around in front of their head. So uh, that's another cool bait. Um, but nowadays, it seems like no one's really... It's not that cool right now to throw Alabama rigs. Fishing, in my mind, kind of goes in like these trends. Like, you know, there's a hot bait for the year. Maybe it's a Huddleston swim bait or something. Maybe it's this new type of the Whopper Plopper was super popular for a while. Um, but right now, it's live scoping. It's kind of crazy. Boo. It's kind of controversial. Yeah. It's 
Yeah, I was talking to a video game. You, you kind of try it. You kind of, I, I do too. I, I want to see. I was talking to a guy at work, um, and so basically on all those bass boats, they have these crazy electronics now, and um, people they just get better and better. It's crazy. Like you see pictures of um, sticks and fish and logs in the water now that almost look like exactly like they would. Um, in person, but, um, right now there's a new one out called the live scope and, uh, it gives a crazy good picture of what, um, is in the water around you. So a lot of guys are using them to catch, um, crappie in the winter and, you know, crappie are always stacked up on these, um, brush piles. And so like you just pull up to the brush pile and you can literally see them there. And you drop your jig down and you literally watch it go down on this screen and you can literally just make sure it stays right in front of them. It's crazy. So I was talking to a guy at work about it and he was like, oh yeah, I use the live scope. It's awesome, man. And then he was, looked at me he's like, do you use the cheat scope? <laughs> he started calling it the cheat scope <laughs> because he was like, yeah, once you figure out how to use it, it's pretty, uh, pretty tough not to catch fish with it. So a lot of... What what were you gonna say? Well, a lot of guys uh, that like down on Texoma, like the striper guides and stuff, oh, yeah. like they'll yeah. have they'll have that gear, which just makes it like obviously they have the know how and where to go to try and find fish, but it makes it easy if they can pull up to a spot, look at it, and be like, "Yeah, we got fish right below us." Put put the lines in. And yeah. So like, it's which with striper fishing, I don't even. I mean, I think that's a pretty good like tactic for it at least because you all you're you're that's pretty much the main way to catch them really is finding the schools and just dropping the line down deep and Uh uh-huh but uh yeah yeah i when i was talking to some guys about it i've been just kind of curious about it recently because there's like this whole new there's like all these guys i keep seeing on instagram and facebook that like all of a sudden are catching like crazy amounts of these double digit bass in texas and um some of them in oklahoma and it's it's really crazy and kind of interesting to me because i'm like people spend their whole life trying to catch these and now like all of a sudden you know you can catch five in a day just kind of it's just crazy to me but um what i've heard is a lot of guys are using um swim jigs so pretty much just like the jig we were talking about earlier and um, kind of like Lan and Sand, they're just slowly um, kind of moving it past the fish on the screen. And you can literally watch your jig come past. You can watch the fish, and then you can see your jig not going any farther, so you know the fish bot, like bit it. Isn't that crazy Like to think about? Like, you're literally just watching on there. Yeah, do we know in, like, like the Bassmaster series, like... Have, is that do they have a rule like i know they can they use fish finders and stuff to like see the topography below them and everything like but yeah i think like, they can use it that's interesting i think i mean i could be wrong on that do you know landon i don't I have f- no idea i don't follow it we, close enough we need to get a what's his name the oh gosh the autumn guy maddie robertson yeah. i think is that his name yeah that guy is an icon. He's got the Couldn't... bleach blonde mullet <laughs> cut off 
cut off jersey. Yeah, he couldn't. He had to have the Bassmaster logo on his arm, on his sleeve, but he wanted a sleeveless jersey, so he got it tattooed on his <laughs> arm. <laughs> what a legend! So the cool thing um, is that in Texas they have the Sher program. Have you guys seen anything about that before? I've just heard like the name. It's it's pretty cool. Um, basically, I was looking up because I wanted to have some numbers right. Uh, but basically, what happens is any time a bass is caught over thirteen pounds in Texas, which is ginormous, but like more common down there. I think they're. I'm sure Lake Fork ups those numbers a lot. Yeah, I know the. I think the Lake Lake Fork used to have the record, which I wish someone would fact check me. We need Russell. Uh, I think is eighteen or nineteen pound bass out of there. So. Um, Anyway, they can get bigger, but 13 pounds is a huge fish. And um, what they do is when you catch a 13-pounder, you get it verified on their scales. Then um, the fisheries department takes that. It, they make you a mount of it for free, and then they use that to um, like spawn um, like fingerling bass. So then they have all of these baby bass with this genetics of a 13-pound mom. And then they can stock those into the lakes, and then, you know, they have more big fish. So I think it's a pretty sweet program, honestly. Like, it's really helping produce some absolute jumbotron bass in there. So, um, yeah, I've seen one guy, he's caught two already this year. There's a lake called OH Ivy, and that's where I've seen, like, four out of this year so far. So, pretty insane. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I probably will never catch fish on there, but it'd be sweet if I did. So, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think other times that we have um, done too much winter bass fishing. Hudson, have you been out a few times in the winter? Um, you know, as of late, I mean, it's really kind of like since my injury, I don't go out too much in the winter because of like, my body temperature regulation and the cold and stuff but i've like i don't know i watch videos of people like winter bass fishing and had something on the other day of some guys going over some stuff and um i don't know i mean i thought we could maybe just talk a little bit about like i mean we've already kind of talked a little bit about some winter bass fishing like strategy or whatever but like you know, some things you want to take into account whenever you're fishing at any time of the year is like water temperature and uh, cloud cover and all that. So like whenever the the water temperature is colder, those bass aren't like, correct me if I'm wrong, they're not moving as like fast or is it that yeah is that yeah because yeah, it's kind of like a snake or something when it's cold like yeah. they're just not moving as fast it's like lethargic is kind of the word that yeah so it's heard thrown around so i know like in winter time you you kind of want uh if you're gonna be throwing like some soft plastics which is mainly what i use because soft plastics are just in my opinion the most fun thing to fish with uh-huh. the bite's awesome and that's why landon loves throwing jigs because bass will absolutely slam them i do like a jig i i still to this day i'm 
99% sure I've never caught a bass off a jig, which you could probably tell by my stupid question earlier. Um, it was really stupid. Yeah. Uh, but you, uh, in like, you know, colder weather and colder water temperatures, you if you're throwing soft plastics, you want to have a, you want either want to go weightless or go with a smaller weight to stop the bait from falling as fast. Uh, because if that bait's going slower, those bass will be more inclined to look at it and be like, uh, that's a, that's an easy, easy meal for me real quick. I'll just snag it. Um, which also my, my personal preference. I like, I like throwing my soft plastics with heavier weight to get the drop faster just cause I don't know. I, I, oh, and it's easier to cast. Yeah. That's uh, and a big the ticket for me. Yeah. And blow it all around. Yeah, because if you're if you're throwing weightless and you got, I mean, even like a five to ten mile an hour wind, like it can screw your cast up, and next thing you know, you're catching tree limbs rather than fish. Yeah. Um. But so like that's one thing. I don't know. I mean, you know, Landon caught those two massive ones on an Alabama rig though, and yeah, not that not that he was working it super fast, but like. You know, they, he's it's constantly moving, uh-huh. so it's not like a necessity, I guess, that you need to, uh, you know, fish it incredibly slow. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it kind of just depends on the circumstance. So, Landon, you keyed in on um, the fresh water kind of running in. Will you talk a little bit about that? Why you think maybe that uh was holding some extra fish or do you have any ideas have you ever thought through well, it at all i don't know let's see if my brain can come up with something uh i just know that i mean especially like after a rain um if a little stream's coming in it, it was kind of like almost a mountain type thing on that side of the quarry where that water was running off of and i know it it'll bring in like insects and worms and all that stuff into the um into the body of water so um that's just an easy meal for the fish so um i know when there's an influx of water like that fish are going to be staged up there um just because of the amount of food and nutrients that are flowing into the water for them yeah yeah and i sorry i i think we may have talked about this like maybe like episode like one or two or Glenn talked about it is the, the oxygenation of the water there because it's flowing. Does that play any part into that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is I think, um, I think that's one of the tickets, especially in summertime, whenever water is kind of flowing in, um, is that, you know, oxygenation happens. And I think, um, my thought for uh, why Landon was catching them that day at the quarry is that the water um, was probably warmer that was coming in, too. That so, you know, sense. it's mid, you know, early February. It's been cold for a long time. And so I'm betting that water that the, that rained came, you know, as I was flowing in, maybe it was a few degrees warmer. Because, um, like Hudson said, like the temperature of the water um, oftentimes really plays into... Um, you know, the fish's activity and where you might find them and everything. And so um, I think that the water flowing in probably helped. Um, one thing that is a good idea or a good place to start um, is fishing 
south-facing banks um, in lakes because uh, they're getting sun all day long in the wintertime, especially ones with rocks will warm up the water a little faster, and they're out of the wind. So um, it's kind of a double-edged sword there. You're getting a little bit of the... Uh, you know, of the warm warmth from the sun, you're avoiding some of the wind, so it's maybe a little comfier to fish too. Um, another thing is that I like to do is facing towards the uh, facing fishing the wind blown banks too, because I think a lot of times um, bait and stuff gets pushed in there. But um, I don't know. The winter time is definitely a time you got to be pretty careful whenever you're fishing, um, just to make sure that. Uh, you know, nothing happens. The water's pretty cold if you go in. <laughs> you should probably just wear a life jacket just to be safe or else you're going to die. So. Got a got a funny story about that that I'm, in a, I'm stealing it from my dad. Um, but me and Landon's dads were both... I say Landon's dads. Landon has one dad. Uh, they were down at Lake Fork in... A, I think it was late February, maybe first week of March. Still pretty cold outside. They went down there with uh, a buddy of theirs who's a stud fisherman. Uh, fishes tournaments all the time. Has a sweet boat. Uh, hopefully we can have his, his name's Scott. Hopefully we can get him on because that would just be a, a blast having Scott on. <laughs> um, but... They were down there. They're at Lake Fork, which we mentioned earlier. And Lake Fork is like a, it's, you know, probably one of the best largemouth bass fisheries in the world. Like, I mean, one of the premier, premier largemouth bass. And they're down there and they're fishing. And Scott, reminiscent of Landon's big one that he had on, Scott gets a big boy on. And he he's reeling it in, and uh, by all accounts, it was most likely a double digit. And so, uh, my dad and Landon's dad Cliff, they're they're reeling up, and they're gonna go try like they're because Scott's losing his mind, and gets it up to the side of the boat, and. It comes off, and he goes to try and dive over to reach down and grab it out of the water. And my dad described it as he hit the side of his boat and launched off of the boat into freezing water and doesn't get the fish. He... My dad said he surfaces and is trying to say all the cuss words he's got in his arsenal, but the water's so cold that nothing's coming out. My dad and Cliff are just cracking up, losing their minds. They get Scott back in, and he didn't have any other clothes, so my dad and Cliff have to shed layers, and Scott's about... What six three six four? He's a tall He's dude. He's tall for sure. <laughs> and my dad and Cliff are about five ten uh, each, and uh, they have to shed some layers to give him some clothes. So Scott's got on their clothes, and he's wearing their pants. 
your pants and he's wearing them like capris and he's just pissed off and freezing the rest of the time they're fishing out there so yeah definitely uh definitely be careful and try not to uh launch yourself off the boat while you're winter bass fishing yeah so maybe just pack some extra clothes or something yeah. <laughs> you never know I'm dying laughing and thinking about that. Yeah, my uh, claim to fame is the time I outfished Scott in one cove. It was pretty sweet. At McGee Creek Lake, my favorite place on earth. We went around one cove, and I was like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm actually a good fisherman. I'm outfishing Scott. And then he caught about a nine-pounder that day. And so then I uh, got back to, brought back to reality really fast. So Yeah, uh, just real quick, one more thing. Thing before we probably wrap it up here okay um okay. is correct me if i'm wrong is it Wetumpka that has the generator uh going Kanawha. on Kanawha, and sooner lake is another one like that so those both could be i haven't i haven't fished them uh when it's been cold but they have these generators that near those generators that are generating power from the water it's it's warming up the water uh, near those and so i would imagine those would be pretty good public lakes to go to to maybe like if you if you're like ah, i don't want to put in some work and try and find some fish like in a you know in a bunch of cold water you could probably go to those lakes and skirt on over to those those sides where the waters are already warmer than mm-hmm. the rest of it you probably probably catch some good fish there i'd imagine i haven't done it but i don't know no suggestion. yeah that's definitely a good thing um it's cool because the bass spawn quicker there the water stays cooler over the whole summer so they're more active throughout the summer plus it never gets as cold during the winter so yeah sooner lake and Kanawha are both oklahoma lakes that do that um it's good to fish below the dam at those lakes too uh sometimes in the winter because the water is so much warmer um a lot of fish can uh stack up below that so i'm not usually a uh below the dam kind of fisherman I, that's a different breed of people not usually I, me i've tried it i i don't know yeah I, it's okay if i'm going with someone that does it a lot more of a bass boat kind of guy yeah but um Anyway, that's that's a definitely a really good option um, in the winter time. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, well, I got I got one little thing, and right. then we can right, uh, right. wrap it up. Um, I was thinking about times I fished in the winter, and um, you know, as it warms up and everything, I'm just gonna say it. March, I always throw a red rattle trap and a black Gross. spinner bait, and just slow roll it. Those always work for me. But um, I was thinking about a wintertime bass fishing trip. Me and my dad went out to Old American Horse, our favorite lake. And um, there was literally like snow on the banks. I don't know what we were thinking. (laughs) I think we kind of just wanted to go do something. And that was before before I figured out anything about duck hunting or anything. And so um, we went out there and I had on a black and blue jig. And I was just kind of slow slowly slowly swimming it slowly trying to move it through the treetops and um we're sitting there we're pretty pretty deep back in a cove and um all of a sudden the water just explodes next to us 
in probably a 50 pound carp like jumped oh. over our boat what in splash in the water i have never been that scared and startled in my whole life i don't know what happened i don't know if like we like bumped it or like hit the tree it was next to or something oh but my it was it was the biggest carp i've ever seen literally jumped over to the front of our boat and then just splashed back in it was like a like a whale or like a manatee, like shooting out of the water. It was crazy. That is nuts. But yeah, that trip, I also hooked a fish and broke off on it. And it was kind of one of those where I was like, man, I think if I hooked a fish right now, it was probably a absolute beast. So I didn't get to see it or anything. So I can't claim that it was, but anyway, it was a, it was a fun trip. So, um, with that being said, we'll, We'll keep um, Landon's poop stories out of this one. <laughs> I, I am waiting for National like uh, Gut Health Day or something. Maybe we'll have some uh, user-submitted stories. To <laughs> By the way, that last story that Glenn told last week was a lie. <laughs> Never happened. Yeah. Fictitious. Uh, let's just say it's not uncommon, common, common, common. <laughs> I think everybody that I've ever hunted with has a story just like that. Just... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Those are the best laughs, I think, in the whole hunting blind, whatever. Someone has to poop, or when it's like someone falls in in the winter time. <laughs> oh gosh. So, anyway, yeah, um, get after them. If you guys have a chance, or if, if you're wanting to, you know, you might just catch the biggest bass of your life this time of year. So, uh, Landon, you got any closing thoughts? Throw an Alabama rig. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I like it. And I think just be double check wherever you are um, how many hooks a bait can have. I think Oklahoma is maybe only three. So make sure that you don't have too many hooks. If you are throwing an Alabama rig, I uh, might just need to have some of them with no hook. Just a side, side note there. That's good. Hudson, you got any thoughts? Um, yeah. If you uh, want to see those uh fish that we were talking about with Landon's story you can see him on our instagram we're going to be throwing up a uh i mean when this is out there will be a post on our instagram for it so you can you can see him right there and you can also we have that video we posted a while ago uh and you can see that it's pretty sweet gets me a little amped to go fish whenever i see it because i think oh maybe maybe at some point in my life i will have that happen to me but yeah probably not gosh that is so (laughs) sweet um well yeah i guess i'll wrap it up here thank you guys for listening um last week we were having had one of the best weeks ever on listen so um we really appreciate everybody listening um if you like it please give us some feedback um share it with a friend and um you know give us a follow on instagram and facebook uh rate us on spotify and apple whichever one you're listening on you guys have been doing awesome yeah. with the uh spotify one specifically yeah. yeah which is fantastic which we really haven't even like really asked for that either people are just doing it so that's great yeah they're we're getting loaded up on those which has been really fun um so yeah we really appreciate everybody listening if you have any comments or anything send us a dm or an email yellowhatoutdoors at gmail.com And, um, yeah, as, uh, your hunting season ends, I hope it was a great one and, uh, you're starting to get excited for turkey season, for bass fishing, 
for all of the fun. Bow fishing. For bow fishing. Yeah, that'll be a fun little we need talk. To have, oh. We need to have Diffy on. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, talk about snagging frogs and yeah. shooting all sorts of things. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Peace. Bye.